morning. Now, we've talked about a number of things so far in this sermon series, and a few weeks ago, we talked about readying our heart. And I'm still getting text messages and messages from people saying how much that impacted them. And we talked about the week prior, readying our soul. And as we've been making our way through this series, whether we were talking about readying our soul, readying our heart, and today being ready for whatever it is that God wants to do and how we're going to be ready to respond, what we have been really trying to do as we've made our way through this series is prepare ourselves for the things that we know are to come. We talked about how when we become believers, oftentimes we have this mistaken impression that because we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, it's going to be all easy street from there. And we talked about the reality that we are going to face persecution. There is going to be hardship. There will be difficulties. But we also, in the course of this series, have talked about how through Christ we're more than overcomers, we're more than conquerors, and we're able to persevere when we prepare our hearts for what is to come. And so today will be no different. We'll be learning how to respond well when difficulties come our way. I don't know about you, but it's a little bit more um, palatable when you're prepared for something and it comes your way. You know, when things come your way and they're completely unexpected, they have the tendency to catch you off guard and you don't do as well in responding when you're not prepared. And so it has been a marvelous exercise, I believe, as we have been anticipating and understanding the way that the enemy attempts to attack us and preparing our hearts and our minds so that when these attacks do come, that they do not separate us from God. And so today we're going to focus on practical responses to things we both personally witness and things we also see and hear about in the world around us in the lives of others. We all have so many inputs in our lives. And sometimes the amount of information coming in can be overwhelming. Not to mention, much of the information we receive is negative or alarming. And so what are we supposed to do with all of this? How do we process all of this negative information? And how do we respond with righteousness in a weak and weary world around us? I pray that by the end of our time together this morning, you will have answers to those questions and many more. Now, if you're anything like me, you've seen injustice happening around you. And sometimes you have to decide how you're going to respond. My son, Nicholas, is going to be surprised to hear me share uh, a, a testimony I have that results from me going to a parent and teacher conference. And I was bracing myself because he's been known to be on his phone during school, and normally I have to hear a little bit about those kind of instances when I go to the parent-teacher conferences. But on this particular instance, the teacher, almost in tears, wanted me to know that there was a situation in the classroom, and he was a ninth grader at this time, and this was a classroom that was a blended class with ninth graders and upperclassmen that were a lot older than he. 
And the children in the class were being disrespectful to the teacher. And what she shared with me, with tears in her eyes, is how grateful she was that in that moment, when these students were being unruly, when these upperclassmen, 11th and 12th graders, were being disrespectful, she said, I don't know what it is that you've instilled in him, but he stood up for me. And he told the other students that they needed to stop. And she said, and I just couldn't believe that a ninth grader had that kind of courage to stand up for what he thought was right. So she said, yeah, he does need to put his phone away during class, but you're doing a good job. See, we have to decide in advance, what do we stand for? And whether we're 15 years old, 55 years old, we have to make up in our mind that when we see something going on around us and it does not line up with our belief system, it does not align with what we think is right and wrong, that we would be willing in advance, already in our mind, that we will take a stand. Yes, it may mean you're a little bit ridiculed. Yes, you may stand out a little bit at times. But we have to remember that these are times where God is actually counting on us to be the light. Many times we want to represent him by label only. Yes, I'm a Christian. I have a great bumper sticker to that effect. I even have some real nice jewelry I wear to that effect. But what are we doing in our everyday lives where people recognize us as standing up for righteousness and identifying with Christ. Our scenario will often determine our actions. For instance, we are all in church right now. So we are all focused on the same God. We all came here with an expectation that we were going to be in some way, shape, or form worshiping Jesus Christ. We did that as we worshiped him in song. We do that when we come together and we gather. But in a situation when there is wrong being done before our very eyes, certain aspects will sway us to one course of action or another. We have to remember we live in a fallen world where we will experience trouble. And we've got to be ready to respond in righteousness. So turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, because I want us to see how we can respond in righteousness and stand firm in our convictions and deep in our faith. If you're joining us for the first time, you will see on the scripture slide a page number. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Someone will provide one for you. But the, the, ba the page number to the house Bible is also on the slide as well. So if you're using your own personal Bible, I'm sure you know where to get to, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. But if this is your first time and you are using our Bible, um, you can find that scripture on the page number that is listed on the slide. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14 reads in the King James Version, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, 
Quit, you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Somebody say stand out. The place that Paul is encouraging us to start in this discussion is to be on our guard. Now, I want to demonstrate something visually to you. As you can see, I'm holding a glass that is completely empty. And here you'll see a jug of water. Now, as I am pouring for my Spotify listeners, this water into this glass, now what do we see before us? Glass of water, right? If I pour from this glass, will I be able to pour anything other than water? I'm not going to be able to pour anything other than water from this glass because what I put into this glass is what's going to come out. Now, I want us to liken that to our spiritual walks for a moment. What we pour in to ourselves is what is going to come out. If we have not been pouring in the presence of God, if we have not been pouring in the word of God, if we have not been pouring in things that uplift us and build us, that are positive, most likely when we are in a tough situation, we're not going to have that to draw from. We want to be on guard so that we can stand out. Paul says that we become extremely aware of what we are allowing into our life. Because truly, whatever we allow into our lives will come out of our lives. We talked about this concept a little bit last week as well when we were talking about readying our hearts. And this passage from Solomon really hits the nail on the head. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. I want to look at verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. As we talked about last week, our hearts are very important. And whatever we allow into our hearts will eventually affect what comes out of our lives. The way that Jesus lived his life here on earth was perfect. And in order for him to serve as the untainted sacrifice for our sins, he indeed had to be perfect. Now we, on the other hand, know that we all sin, we all come short of the glory of God. We are not perfect. However, he gives us a model to holy living. And it is best that we pursue this model no matter what the cost, even if it means standing out. And as an example, I'm thinking um, of my days when I used to work at the law firm. And I don't know if you guys have ever worked in an environment where you have a lot of coworkers and you all have emails and they send around these email chains. 
I don't mind the, the emails that are work-related, but I can distinctly remember that there was this one habit of this one particular coworker where they felt that they were sending funny jokes along through these email chains. And I had to finally reach a place where I could politely say, you know what, you can take me off that list. Please continue to go ahead and send me everything that's work-related, but I don't think we share the same sense of humor. You don't have to be confrontational, but you have to make a decision of when you're going to stand for what you believe is right. Now, if you want to send dirty jokes throughout the law office, then go right ahead. I just don't enjoy the same things that you enjoy, and it's okay if you leave me out. I won't feel excluded at all. Your way of articulating this is your boundary. These are the things that I don't want to participate in. These are the things that I do not want to do. And we are willing to stand out for Christ, even if it means we have to say no to things that other people are saying yes to. What we need to realize, though, is that when we say no to some things, so that we can say yes to other things, it gets the attention of other people. While some will want nothing to do with you thinking that maybe you're just a little weird or, in my case, a stick in the mud, there'll be others that will be drawn to you because you're different. There'll be others that'll be going through something at the office and they'll pull you to the side and they say, would you pray with me? I'm going through this in my marriage. I'm going through this in my health. I'm going through this, and I know that there's something different about you. I know you go to church, and I know you, I see you with your Bible sometimes at lunch, and I know you don't participate in certain things, so I know that you have a connection with God. Can you pray for me? Over time, the Holy Spirit will more and more light us on fire with passion for the gospel message that we might even share this without using words. Simply by the way that we are living, others will encounter Christ through the example of faith that we are living. Now, many of you may have heard of John Wesley. He was the founder of the Methodist movement, and he was a preacher and evangelist hundreds of years ago. But he made a statement that I want to share with you today that I think is so powerful to demonstrate the point that I'm trying to bring forward. He said, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Now take a moment to think about that, practically speaking. If I were to step outside right now on Howe Avenue while it's real, real busy and take a, a lighter and light myself on fire, people would take notice. Maybe some nice person would try to pull over and help put the fire out. Undoubtedly, a couple of millennials will bring their phones out and start recording me on fire. But people will take notice. What they do about it is going to be different, but they will notice. 
It's not every day that you encounter someone that is literally on fire. And here's my question. I wonder what would happen if in our church, in our community, in our city, in our state, if we would decide to deny ourselves of every filthy thing that is offered to us, because we're so consumed with the passion of Christ. Our responses to evil things coming our way would be easy and quick. And the temptations we face from the devil wouldn't last very long and wouldn't turn into sin. Because we would constantly be on our guard. I see you, Satan, not today. We would be on guard for what is coming our way, and we would know how to respond before it goes too far. So my second point for my note takers is stand firm. Somebody say stand firm. After grasping the concept of being on guard, responding in life doesn't stop there. We must also be willing, as Paul says, to stand firm in the faith. Maybe when you hear this phrase, you think of a hurricane being reported. And I know I was watching, my daughter is at school, my oldest daughter is at school at UCF. And I don't know if you remember, but not too long ago, there were like hurricanes at, in Florida. And so I was watching with all diligence uh, all of the news reports so I could make sure that my baby was safe. It's really kind of funny though, because the Floridians are not at all <laughs> concern. They just keep on going with their lives. It's all of us outsiders that are watching with panic, trying to make sure that everything's okay. And as I'm watching this news broadcast, I'm noticing how this newscaster is literally standing out in the hurricane, being blown around. And I'm thinking, like, I could still get the same broadcast from, like, the news station. Why are they putting their lives on jeopardy? But they were standing firm. They had an assignment, and it didn't matter to them if they got swept away, blown away, whatever the consequence was, they were going to deliver us this news report in the middle of the hurricane so we could see just how strong the hurricane was. Wow. Can you imagine us being that convicted in our faith? that in the midst of opposition and winds blowing and trying to blow us to and fro, trying to take us off our post, trying to get us out of position, that we would be so firmly rooted that we are determined to be where God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do, no matter what opposition is trying to take us away. The hope we have in Jesus sounds like this. What I am currently experiencing is not the end. There is a God whom I serve that is always working for good and his glory. I hold fast to the scripture that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things. So even this storm is going to work for his good. Even the things that I'm going through that I can't even conceive. Why am I in the midst of this situation? But as I'm holding fast to my faith, 
I'm able to declare all things are going to work together for my good. I know God's going to take this. He's going to give me beauty out of these ashes. Standing firm in our faith is essentially relying on God's word to be true. I believe your word, God. I don't know about any of this other stuff that's happening. I don't know why I got laid off. I don't know why my marriage is on the rocks. I don't know why they're giving me these negative doctor reports. But all I know is I'm standing on your word and I'm standing on my faith. We just talked about being on guard, which means not allowing certain things into our lives. But the next step in this process of responding well to situations in life is knowing and defining what guides you. So it's not enough to just know what you're not going to do. You have to know what you are going to do. For God, he desires that all people be guided by the sound of his voice. Turn with me to Psalm 119, 105. And where can we find his voice? In his word. We find it most clearly in the Bible. And he, sa- he says in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, both a lamp and a light. Now listen to this. For something to be a lamp or to be a light, there must be some element of darkness. Because you don't need any assistance in seeing when it's already bright. But this is an acknowledgement that yes, we do walk amongst darkness. There is evil. The Bible tells us that there is an enemy that's walking to and fro, seeking whomever he can devour. But praise God that he has provided a source of light for us even before we experience the darkness. One of my favorite scriptures is, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Knowing how to stand guard, knowing how to fight the fight of faith. Because what we have to learn when we come into Christ is that all the things that we did before don't really work in the kingdom of God. And that was a real tough one for me. Many of you know my background. You know, I, I love words. I, was, I call myself a wordsmith. I, was, I could get you told. But that doesn't work in the faith. I don't care how crafty your words are. Maybe you were a great fighter. That doesn't work in the faith to be able to use your, your, your prowess and your might. There are a different set of principles that we must be willing to employ in order to be successful in what we're trying to do as believers. And that's so important because I had to remind myself because a lot of times, and this isn't in my notes, so I know this is straight from the throne. There's a lot of times where I would see people do things And I would aspire to do things, and I would have to remember I have to go back to Christ because they may not be a Christian. And the way they accomplished it, the way they did it, the things they were willing to do, the methods they were willing to take, may not be methods that I can avail myself of. 
And so it's so important for us as we are following Christ to be able to hear his voice and to let him guide us and direct us. Because even if we know other people who are doing the things that we aspire to do, they may not be doing it in the way that is bringing God glory. And we have to continue to let him be our celebrity. We have to continue to make him higher than all these other figures that have so much dominance and prevalence in our lives. Reading, studying, meditating on his word is part of deciding how we will respond before we are faced with a situation that needs a godly response. I don't know who this is for this morning, but I, I really hope that you're hearing from the Lord when he's saying, I need you to respond beforehand. I need you to make up in your mind beforehand. God keeps bringing this person to my mind that is going to come and apologize, and he keeps, reprint, he keeps putting it back in front of me so that I can give him the right response before it happens. Because the first time he gave it to me, I'm like, I'm not saying nothing to them. He's like, wrong response. And then he's giving it back to me and keeps giving it back to me. And I feel like before it happens, God will have already conditioned me so well <laughs> that I'm going to know exactly how to respond. There's something that God is trying to say to you. It's something he wants to do. And I, I feel very strongly that there's some type of limitation and there's some type of hindrance. And you can't figure out what's stopping you. But what's stopping you is that God needs you to decide in advance how you're going to respond. This time, God, I'm going to respond your way. This time when you bring me into this situation, when you give me this elevation, when you give me this promotion, when you give me this opportunity, when you give me this relationship, when you give me whatever it is you fill in the blank that you're praying and believing him for, I intend to respond in a way that lines up with your word. The Bible is our authority. And knowing him, this is key, knowing him, we've talked about this throughout this series, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior can happen with a simple prayer. But following him requires that we die daily to ourselves. Following him is an ongoing effort, putting one foot in front of the other. Because the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by him. So while we may make that conversion to accepting Jesus Christ, we're not done. It's not over. It's just the beginning. This is the fun part where we get to follow him and be his disciples and do his work here until he comes back. Because believe it or not, he's coming back for us. And I know we get so consumed with our own daily affairs and our own goals and our own charts that we can sometimes have that too far in our mind. But I'm reminding us this morning that we are to prepare a church for him. My last point this morning is stand for love. 
Now, love is a very popular word, especially in our culture today. And in fact, many define love in numerous different ways to fit their own agendas, desires, and circumstances. But here's how Paul uses the word love in verse 14 of our Corinthians passage that we read. Agape. Now, this is a Greek word for love, and it's the type of love that God has for us as his people. It's the type of love that we are called to have for his people as well. Ultimately, Paul says, as we stand up, stand out, and stand firm in faith, we must do everything in love. Many of the situations that we've been talking about so far, we might be thinking about other people, how this sermon applies to someone else. I know that was my favorite thing to do in church. Oh, so-and-so should have been here. Thinking about how this applies to everybody else. I think this is a part that will apply to each of us. We can, as God's people, pour into those things, bringing the light of Christ And this point has more to do with situations that are directed at us. It has to do with responding with forgiveness when it simply does not make sense. And this is what Jesus says about forgiveness. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22 as we close. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord... How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Just like our other responses and situations, we must be willing to know how we will respond in advance. When someone wrongs us, how will we respond? Will we hold that wrongdoing against them in perpetuity? Maybe we've been guilty of making this statement numerous times. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. It's true that we probably won't forget something that hurts us, However, we can remember something that hurt us as long as we also remember our forgiveness for that thing. This allows us to truly show love in all we do and say towards others. You know love is an action word, right? I think so often we like to just toss these words around but not actually live the words. Love is an action. We are broken, sinful creatures, which means, as we already said earlier this morning, we fall short. It's a necessary fail-safe that we forgive one another if we already know in advance that they're going to what? Fall short. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can 
Ooh, thank you, Father God. I'm going to say that again. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we can do in our own strength. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be people who forgive and showcase Christ's love through our actions. Love is the way that Jesus responded while he was here on this earth. And we already said that's going to be our role model. That's the celebrity we look up to. And it's the way that we are called to respond as well. So, ready your soul. Ready your heart. And ready yourself to respond in any and every situation with a Christ-like attitude and posture, and it won't always come easy or come naturally. But just like anything else, the more you practice it, the better you will become. So you know we always give you homework assignments because we have to not just hear the word, but we have to be what? Doers also. So my challenge for you this week is to look for ways to apply this. Look for offenses to apply love to. Y'all ready for that? If you need help or an accountability, please reach out and ask because we are not called to walk this path alone. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for each and every vessel that you've used throughout this service. Thank you, Father God, for DeGregory. Thank you, Father God, for Sister Kiki for Reverend Edmund, for Pastor Charles, for Nicholas, for Evangelist Sharon, for Minister Charmaine, for every person who arrived here early and prepared the atmosphere that we would be able to hear from you, Lord. Thank you for every visitor. Thank you for every person who has come this morning desiring to hear from you, not to hear from me, not to hear from our worship team, but to hear from you, Father God. And I thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for revealing to us. Thank you for giving us clarity and giving us instruction and direction and wisdom and guidance. God, we need you like never before. We don't want to do this thing our way. We want to walk in your will. We want to walk in your way. We want you to direct and to order our steps. We need you, Father God. In the voice of another, we will not follow. So God, even as we prepare to end this sermon, we ask that you would just not only allow this word to come into our heart, but allow it to seep deep within that we would be reignited with a fire and a passion for the gospel, and that we would be reignited, Father God, so that we can apply and be doers of your word. Even as we leave this place this morning, as we go into your people in our jobs and our homes, that we would take the word that we receive from you with us. We will be careful to give you and you alone the praise and the honor and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.